Welcome to Dentists, Puns, and Money. I'm your host, Sean Terrell, and my guest in this episode is Dr. Len Tao. Dr. Len is a dentist, speaker, podcaster, and author. His latest book is titled 100 Plus Tips for Getting 100 Five-Star Reviews in 100 Days. In our conversation, Dr. Len and I dive into why online reviews are critical for a dental practice, how to prompt patients to leave Google reviews, and what a dentist should do with a bad review. As a reminder, if you are a dentist interested in taking your first step toward financial independence, we are here to guide you toward that eventual exit from active practice, whether you're three months or 30 years away. To schedule your initial consultation with us, visit DentistExit.com and then click on the Schedule Meeting tab at the top right corner of the main page to schedule your discovery call. And with that introduction, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Len Tao. All right, Dr. Len Tao, welcome to Dentist Puns and Money. I'm excited to hear your story. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. So my favorite place to start is just with some background for the audience. Could you share a little bit of your story and how you've reached this point of your dental career? So I am a practicing dentist, former practice owner in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where I had my practice, the Pennsylvania Center for Dental Excellence for 15 years. I sold my practice October 1st, 2021. So just over six months ago, I now reside in uh, sunny, beautiful Florida, uh, Parkland, Florida, to be exact. I run the dental division for BirdEye. So I'm helping dentists every day with their online reviews and rankings, uh, helping them market their practice online and generate more new patients. I realized very early in my career. So I bought a practice from a dentist who unfortunately committed suicide. And I learned, I was heavily in debt. I had bought the building um, and I needed a way to kind of pay off that debt quickly and attract more new patients to my practice. So I went online and started marketing my practice. And um, I learned all the techniques that I teach dentists now. Uh, one of the ways I uh, found basically to get more new patients to come into my office was by the online reviews that I was getting. And people were saying, I read your online reviews and that's why I'm coming in. And a light bulb went off. Uh, I created my own uh, piece of software called iSocial Reviews, which was launched in January of 2013. Uh, and in July, uh, September, excuse me, of 2014, I sold my company, iSocial Reviews, to BirdEye. BirdEye acquired me and I now run their dental division. So that is kind of how I got into the review space. Um, and here we are eight years later, I run the dental division for BirdEye. I have a couple of books that I've written. One's called Raving Patients. The other one's called 100 Plus Tips for Getting 100 Five-Star Reviews in 100 Days. I have a podcast called The Raving Patients Podcast, which is now not really focused on reviews. It was in the beginning, but now it's on growing someone's practice. And I have a, a about a 3,500 strong Facebook group called Raving Patients as well. So that's kind of my brand online, but that's it's all because I found a need in the industry and, and went after it. And here we are, you know, eight, nine years later, and my life is completely different. I would never have expected this. I'm happy with the way things have turned out, but very, very uh, fortunate for uh, what's paid off in the in the long run. So just to make sure I understand, what was the year that you sort of said you went online and started figuring out how to attract patients? online? So I bought the practice in 2007. And I really started growing my online footprint in 2010 is where I spent a lot of my time honing my 
skills on the internet. We tried, I hired a marketing company. We tried a lot of uh, traditional marketing and newspaper ads, which work, uh, excuse me, market magazines, yeah, which works better than anything we did. I never did billboards, uh, but a lot of sponsorships, things like that. And it wasn't until the internet that really things started taking off. And I am, was all self-taught, but 2010 is when I really focused on the internet. And that was kind of the, the downturn in the economy. And my practice went up 20 to 30% every year. And in 2012 and 2013, I was doing about two and a half million dollars a year in, in production as a fee-for-service practice, working three and a half days for myself. I said, I built the practice of my dreams, but I didn't live the life of my dreams because I was burnt out and I needed a way to get out <laughs> at some point. Um, and that's kind of how things kind of unfolded. So did you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, did you struggle uh, quite a bit before that to attract new patients before you found the internet, I guess? And how long was that struggle where you were trying new things to get the practice that you ultimately were able to build? I don't want to say I struggled to get new patients. I struggled with the quality of the new patient. I was struggling with being a business owner, even though I thought I was, uh, it was I thought it was going to be the easiest thing in the world. It was not the easiest thing in the world. I learned to be a better listener. I learned to be a better leader and a better person. And I think things just happened organically after that. But the on my online footprint was definitely uh, the main reason for, you know, from 2000, you know, 10, 11, and 12, all the way to 2000, you know, 18 and 19 is where my practice really blew up because of the things I did on the internet. So the first book was Raving Patients and the follow-up to that, which was recently released as we, we record this in uh, the spring of 2022, 100 plus tips for getting 100 five-star reviews in 100 days. Before we even dive into the nuts and the bolts of that, why are online reviews important for a dental practice in 2022? That's a great question. And there's many reasons for it. But most importantly, I think it's because when people are looking for a dentist, they go online and read your reviews. We have become a reputation society. And no matter what we do in life, we're always looking at reviews when we do it. If we go to a movie, we look at Rotten Tomatoes. When we look at a restaurant, we go to Yelp. When we go to Amazon, we look at reviews. When we go to eBay, we look at the reviewer. Everything we do is based on the reviews of, of what we're looking to do or, or buy. And, and that's the way patients are similarly to us. Even when a patient is referred to your office nowadays, they don't just call you up on the phone they will look you up online to determine whether you are someone they want to see. And studies show, and there's a study done every year by Bright Local called a, a consumer uh, consumer survey and local consumer survey. And they ask questions related to reviews. And 50% of people trust online reviews as much as personal recommendations now. Actually, 49%, but we'll say 50. Um, that just came out in, in December for, for 2021's report. So everything we do is based on online reviews. And if, if you are listening to this and you're shaking your head, no, I'm telling you, your patients feel differently. And if you're ignoring it and putting your head in the sand, you are going to definitely find that your practices around you that focus on online reviews over pat or pass you or, or take over the area that you're in. That's how important this is to long-term success in the dental industry. Is there research behind why that is? Is that just the old social proof thing? And people love hearing what other people say. And as before I even toss that back to you, it's always a little bit fascinating to me that people trust the reviews of complete strangers in a lot of instances now. hundred percent so. And that's how it's been. And that's how it's going is that the connection between online anonymous reviews potentially, or people they don't know, it's not even anonymous, but people they don't know necessarily who they are. And what their comments is definitely making a difference in how businesses are performing on uh, overall, how the revenue is. 
Um, the businesses that you know even spend money to market their practice generally do a lot better than the businesses that don't. So the online marketing is the key to unlocking the marketing that you can do is also based on reviews. If you have a nice foundation of online reviews, you can market yourself online and, and see very good success versus a practice saying, well, I just want to market and they have almost no reviews. The chance of them being successful in, in attracting new patients that are practice is definitely uh, different than someone who has a great foundation of reviews. So reviews serve more than just um, helping generate more new patients. They help you do a lot of other things online as well. So for the practice that has uh, sort of, I think you used the term, bury their head in the sand or hasn't gone down this rabbit hole with online reviews yet, what's the first place to start and maybe how you want to work that together? Obviously talk about the book and does it take Dennis step by step through where to start and how to build that? Well, it, it, Raving Patients, the first book, it talks about the foundation of things you need. Um, and I would urge everybody to go online, um, go into an incognito mode or private browsing mode on their browser. Don't do this as it, where Google knows you. You are uh, make sure you're signed out of everything and do a search for dentist in your town, dentist in your zip code, a cosmetic dentist in your town, and, and see how you rank on the maps of Google. I'm not talking about organically below it. I'm talking about the maps. You need to see where you're starting because if you're generally the practices that rank higher on the maps have what we call visibility. Okay, so you're visible. If you add the credibility, so you have reviews to that, you definitely will be generating more new patients. But you have to see where you're starting. So number one, check out how you're starting. Look. At your Google business profile, it's no longer Google My Business. It's called Google Business Profile, okay? And take a look at it. Make sure it, it, the name of the practice is your either your name or your business name or a combination of both of those. If your name is backwards, that's a problem. That's not how it should be online, okay? I just spoke to a dentist today. Her first name was her last name, and her last name was her first name. So you have to make sure you're set up properly online. That's the first thing you should be doing. And then you want to start directing your patients to write reviews directly on Google. Remember, patients don't call you up and say, I'm not coming in because you have no reviews or you have bad reviews. They just don't come in. So you don't really know what you're losing by, by ignoring this, I guess is a fair way to say it. So the found, starting the found, the great foundation is having a really great online presence, having a, a nice number of re reviews coming in, standing out, making yourself stand out, um, and having a great website where patients can go and find out more about your practice. So from there, how do you empower patients to leave online reviews? Because I would think that most of them aren't going to do that without being, for lack of a better word, solicited to do so in some fashion. They have to be prompted to, to do it. You have to feel comfortable prompting them. Um, look, I'm all I'm a major believer in the automated systems. That's what BirdEye does. And I've been with them for such a long time. And I see the results that um, that's going to be the definitely way to go. But if you don't want to use an automated system, you don't want to spend the money doing it, you just have to ask your patients. You have to be comfortable asking them. You have to be comfortable for giving them an easy way to do it. So the book touches base on a lot of those, a lot of the ways you can do it. Um, you can use QR codes. You can use uh, specific verbiage to ask things. You can send a an email or text after the appointment manually even do it, but you have to prompt them. You can't just say to a patient, you know, go online and write a review for us. They're always going to say they will, but they never do it. Okay. So you have to, you have to find what you're comfortable doing. I like asking for feedback about the patient's experience. I don't like using the word review. I think when you ask for a review, I think it sounds like you're begging for something. So I've always mm -hmm. been about asking for feedback about the patient's experience. It's a little bit more comfortable to speak to um, when you're talking to patients about it. So the other, the other thing I want to make a very big point of is that if you're going to, if you want to uh, hone the marketing you're doing, if you're doing marketing or you want to market and spend money on marketing to, to grow your practice, 
I will tell you to take a step back, evaluate what you look like online. And also you have to have a, your office needs to have a reputation culture in it. And what I mean by that is the culture in the office is most importantly, if you want patients to write reviews about your practice, you have to treat them really well and give them a wow experience. Because generally, if you don't give them wow, patients aren't going to talk about it because they're either talking about it if it's extraordinarily good or extraordinarily bad. And they will definitely talk about it if it's extraordinarily bad. So you have to create this reputation culture where you know that all your patients are kind of reporting on you at the end of the appointment. They're going home. They have an opportunity to write a review. You want to you want to put your best, best, best foot forward in this case. How do you begin to create a reputation culture within the practice? Has to come from the main person. That's the doctor. So the doctor is the leader. The doctor needs to sit down with the team and tell them how important this is to the sustained sustainability of the practice and growth of the practice. And if the doctor doesn't want to do that, then, you know, you got to be the leader in the practice. And then you maybe need to take some leadership skills because you definitely have to show that this is important to the, how your practice is going to be for the next years to come. And if that's not the case, look yourself in the mirror and say, what do I need to do to change the way I'm a leader in my practice? So I asked a follow-up, but I wanted to circle back to something you were talking about a little bit ago, which was how to prompt patients to give reviews. And you said that there was a number of different ways you could do it and you could leverage technology to do so. Do you recommend if possible that the dentist or one of the team members does so in person? Is that the best way? Yeah, the best way is to do that 100% so. Okay. And there's a lot of dentists that listen to this podcast. Uh, How would you language that if I was a patient? So number one is, look, like I said, you can use an automated system. Even the automated systems have a manual way of sending reviews out. So if you know someone had a great experience, say to them, you know, I hope you had a really great experience uh, today. I would love to get some feedback about your experience. We're going to send you a text message asking for feedback about your experience. And we really look forward to reading what you have to say about it. So not only are you letting them know they're going to get something, but you also want to let them know that you're going to read it and probably respond to it as well. That makes a patient feel like they're being listened to and they feel special because of it. And just hearing you talk about this, I'm guessing the side benefit of all this is, boy, it'd be a really good way to actually improve your your practice as well too, right? All the feedback, if you could take that and iterate from from what you're hearing back from patients, from every patient or a lot more patients than you're currently hearing from, that's going to make the practice a lot better in a hurry. I like what we call constructive criticism. I need You need to be able to accept constructive criticism because when we ask for feedback about the experience, it opens up the opportunity for a patient to provide you with something that may not be ideal that you want to hear. But if you're willing and open to listen to what they have to say, you can make your practice a better place. And what do I mean by that? Okay. What I mean by that is if someone says you're running late all the time, that means you're running late all the time and you need to fix it. Okay. I found through all my years of doing this that patients or excuse me, doctors and team members complain that they're a target of of fake reviews. I do not believe that. Okay. I believe they're using an alias. So you don't recognize their name because they may want to still come into the office and they're not going to come in if you know their name. So I I feel that they're using an alias name. They're talking about a real experience or, but they want to feel listened to. And if you feel listened to these patients, you avoid that dreaded one-star review. So since we're on the topic of a bad review, how does they're not all five stars, at least uh, when you first start out, how do you, how do you handle bad reviews? So I believe every practice needs to have bad reviews. Okay. And I always say when someone posts in my Facebook group, Hey, I got it. My first bad review. What do I do? And I get that question a lot. I say, congratulations. You're officially a dentist because you have your first bad review. Okay. That's if you're not, you haven't practiced dentistry long enough, if you haven't got a bad review. So that's the first thing. Okay. The second thing is don't panic, relax, take a deep breath for like 20 minutes. Um, that way you don't really care anymore about it. And I always say a bad review may spoil your breakfast, but it shouldn't allow you to spoil your lunch. 
And in that case, you you get a better review, you deal with the consequences of it, you go out, you move on and, and life goes on. Okay. But you take what the person wrote and don't get upset. Don't get angry. Don't write a nasty response. Decide how you want to make your practice better by, by reading what the person wrote. Okay. And, and, you know, the best defense against a bad review is simply more positive reviews. Okay. Simply more positives. Drown them out. We'll drown out a negative review. What you don't want to do is you don't want to be angry in your response. You, d- you don't necessarily even want to respond to some cases. I'm very careful when I respond to a negative review online. I like to talk to the patient directly before I respond. So I reach out to those patients who have left a bad review, if you know who they are, and, and apologize, fix their issue. Um, they may take the review down. You may have the review taken down because you've handled the issue situation, you've listened to them, and now they feel like they, you care and they take the review down because of that. Okay. But I wouldn't sue a patient. I, I wouldn't threaten them. You know, if you do get a bad review and it's not coming down, just focus on generating more positive reviews. That's really what I recommend. And so the only way for a bad review to go away is for a patient through their Google account to actually take it down. Otherwise, it's memorialized for, for all to see fair not necessarily. or not. Not necessarily. There are some instances where Google, will, if you flag the review, they will look into it and they will take the review down. It doesn't happen a lot. Um, in my Facebook group, people ask me what they should do. And I say flag the review. And someone literally today just left a message for me saying the review that was flagged was took, taken down and they appreciated my insight into the situation. There are certain instances where Google will take it down. It's it's hate speech. Um, there's cursing. They're putting a link in there. They're referring to another doctor in there. It's it's uh, the patient has a history of, of just doing bad reviews and nothing else. There are reasons why they do take reviews down, but I would not uh, necessarily worry about that. If they don't take it down, they don't take it down. I mean, that's, and if you do respond, the most important thing you want to remember to always say you're sorry in the response online. Okay. Be careful because you don't want to poke that angry bear. Okay. Because they may re-respond. But if you do respond, you want to apologize and you're responding to the person who are the people who are reading the review, not the person who wrote the review. Remember that that's very important because you're addressing their concerns. So apologize, even if it's an angry X something, then it's a complete fabrication. Well, it depends. Look, you have to be careful. You can't violate HIPAA. So you have to be really careful with how you how you answer the questions uh, anyway. But you can't acknowledge their patient. You can't release private information. So, you know, I like very generic response responses is what I like to use when I respond to a negative review. Something about, you know, you're, we apologize Again, not, and I like that only again, you're not really responding to a negative review. The person, you're, you're letting the people know who are reading the review that you actually care about what was written. The term I use or what this, the saying I use is we value all types of feedback in our office and we welcome the opportunity to discuss them with you. We are sorry you're disappointed in the services we have provided. Please come to the office and ask to personally speak with me so we can address some of your concerns that unfortunately I am prevented from answering publicly due to HIPAA. So in my own personal experience, not related to dental practices, but I had to update some beneficiary information at my bank uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I think I got an email asking for my feedback a couple of days later and I clicked, yeah, it was great. And then I got like a phone call like a week later from somebody else. And at that point I was like, you know, I don't have time to call people back uh, if I had a good experience or kind of with that as a context, if someone gives a review, is there a fear that they're going to be asked for more feedback? And are people more likely to share their experience or leave a review when it's negative versus positive? The studies show that there's no 
no real differentiation between someone who's definitely leaving a, a, a negative review. The negative reviews are so far and few between compared to a positive review. So I think it's like 85% positive and 15% negative. So, but you also have, I think, and if you want to get into the review game, I think you have to have thick, thick skin because when you welcome the opportunity to get feedback, some of it you may not appreciate. But the far majority of reviewers are going to leave positive feedback about your practice and make you feel good. And if you do get a bad review the next day or the, the same day at the end of the day, you'll probably get something really who really likes what you did. Okay. Enough about the, the negative ones. Let's move on to the positive stuff. And I, I let us there, but I was just curious. So obviously we've, we've been going for about 20 minutes and it's, it's a hundred plus tips uh, in the book, but are, are there a few that are more important than others that we haven't hit on yet in terms of getting a hundred five-star reviews in a hundred days that you would like to share? I always like to see which email accounts patients have. I call it watch their memberships. So you, if they have a Google account, you know to ask for Google, but you also have to know that not all patients are going to tell you they have a Gmail account. If you if they have one, they're going to give you their backup email because they don't want to spam you. So that's why I don't necessarily worry about that. I mean, there, there's, there's QR codes you can use that can take the patient to the place where they can write the review. Uh, you could put up signs in the office. Don't be afraid to do that. If you have a TV in your reception area, you can put examples of your reviews there. I mean, there are so many different, you can run, a, I'm not a fan of running a contest. I would rather you incentivize your team members to ask for reviews rather than running a contest. You know, it's, it, you again, I think a lot of it has to create, you have to create this reputation culture in the, in the office and and really give get your team motivated and excited to do this for you. And I think it, stuff will start flowing in just because you're you're treating them well. So- We've talked a lot about Google reviews, but are there other places that people can leave reviews? And if so, what are those? And should those be considered? Yelp is one example that popped up for me. So so Facebook, it doesn't have reviews anymore. They have recommendations. Facebook, the reason why I think Facebook is important because it shows in a Google search for your practice as your Facebook page. Uh, the only people that are really going to go there are your current patients in most cases, unless you're doing AdWords or some Facebook funnels to direct people to your Facebook page. Uh, and most of the time you do that through you know, some type of uh, landing page they land on rather than your Facebook page itself. So Facebook is okay. Um, Yelp, depending on where you are in the country, like you're in Iowa. So Yelp is not something I would ever worry about in Iowa. Yelp's important for California, the state, Miami, Chicago, New York, Dallas, Seattle, those big cities. I was in Philadelphia for 20 plus years and Yelp was never big in Philadelphia. I didn't realize it was so geographic. Very, very geographic. And because of that, if you don't have Yelpers in your uh, your office or that are patients of yours, the Yelp reviews will be taken down because they have to be a trusted reviewer. So I don't love Yelp because you potentially have the reviews taken down by Yelp and that's not good. So um, I like to tell the offices to avoid Yelp um, unless you you know, know that it's a big in your area and then leave breadcrumbs for patients to leave the reviews. There's not a whole lot of ways to generate Yelp reviews. Yelp has really separated themselves from any third-party company. They don't want any third-party company to, to put a link in their email or text asking for a Yelp review. And I've seen offices burned when they try to violate that. So I would just be very careful when dealing with Yelp. You mentioned a company uh, that you're involved with called BirdEye. What is BirdEye and, and how might it benefit Dennis in this review system? So BirdEye is a rep reputation marketing company. We automate the process of sending review requests out to patients. So we sync up to the practice management software. We work with 52 of them in the industry. So if you have anything that's normal, we work with it. Um, at the end of the day, we send out a text message and or email asking for feedback about the experience. We put a, a, a logo or a team photo in the message asking for that feedback. And when 
and they click through, they have an opportunity. One button says is green, it says Google or Facebook. One button says red is red color. This says contact the office directly. So if they hit the red button, they're providing feedback to the office in a private manner. If they are uh, hitting the, the green button, they have the opportunity to leave reviews on Google or Facebook, depending on what phone they have. So on Android phones, we only direct them to Google because they have to have a Google account on their Android phone. On an iPhone, we give them both choices simply because not all patients have that have an iPhone have a Gmail account. And those that have a Gmail account don't tell you they have Gmail. They give you their backup email in most cases. So you don't even know, like I mentioned before. And then we literally have an API with Google that logs the patient into their Google account. Once they click on the link, it opens up their Google, your Google page and lets them write a review in one step on their phone. So it's a very easy system to generate reviews. We also help generate referrals with our referral product. We have a listings product that helps practices get ranked higher on the maps of Google as well, because we get the listings, the name, address, and phone number consistent across 60-something directories now. So we're really helping practices get visible, get credible, get more social proof, which in turn gets in more new patients. That's what we do as a product. Boy, marketing and dentistry has come a long way from the billboard and the yellow pages, hasn't it? Yes, it has. 100%. So it's very, very different than it used to be. But it's exciting because um, if you really focus on your online presence, it can really lead to a ton of new patients coming in your office. So writing books, podcasting, bird eye, some of this other, uh, you're involved in a lot of things in dentistry. Anything that I've missed? Not really. I love what I do. Always available you know, to talk to people about their online reviews, their marketing. But I run, I have my own consulting agency called Tau Dental Consulting where I work with practices. I teach case acceptance. I'm on the board of a number of different companies helping them grow in the industry as well. So I've got my hands in a lot of pots. Um, I just released a workshop uh, at this time when this will release. It will definitely be out. It, it's a, uh, there's two workshops. One is called The Art of the Sale and one is called The Art of Dental Financing. So I teach third-party financing and how to get better case acceptance to in a workshop that I've recorded is will be on demand for people to purchase as well. So I'm I'm there, I'm educating, I'm helping. You know, I, my time is, is, I don't charge for my time. When someone calls me on the phone, I spend time with them without, without even a second thought because I just enjoy helping my colleagues is really what it comes down to. So the name of the podcast is Dentist Puns and Money. Uh, do you have uh, a bad or a good uh, dental pun or a dental joke that, that you're willing to share? Well, I think I was talking to you beforehand. I have a couple of, I have a couple of, uh, I, I want to say, Stupid jokes, but um, if a kid has 25 candy bars and eats 22 of them, what do you have? I don't know Cavities. what you have. Cavities. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what did the dentist say when Tiger Woods came in for an appointment? I don't know what he said to Tiger. You have a hole in one. There we go. There we go. Dr. Len Tao, if, uh, if people are listening, they'd like to learn more about your book. They'd like to learn more about some of the other businesses that you're involved in. What's the best way to get in touch with you? What's the best way to find out more information about all those different things that we've, we've covered? The easiest way is to just reach out to me. I'll give my, my contact information. Number one is uh, my email is, is len, L-E-N, at D-R-L-E-N-T-A-U.com. So len at drlentau.com. Number two, my cell phone number is 215-292-2100. You can either call or text me. Those are the best ways to kind of get in touch with me. Uh, I I always say I answer my phone to a fault unless I'm sleeping, which is five hours in the evening, normally six hours max, whether I'm giving a seminar, unless I'm giving a seminar, unless I'm drilling in someone's teeth, which is not that often anymore, or I'm on a podcast or recording something, I'm usually always answering my cell phone. So I do it to a fault, but I'm very easy to get a hold of. I'm happy to engage any questions you have, and we can take the process from there. That is Dr. Len Tao, dentist, author, podcaster, speaker. 
Dr. Len, thank you for sharing your story, your expertise, and for being a guest on Dentist Puns and Money. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to your audience. Thanks for listening to Dentists, Puns, and Money. For more information about my day job, which is guiding dentists to their financial off-ramp from active practice, you can visit DentistExit.com. And there, you can find more information about us, sign up for our email newsletter, or schedule a discovery call with Sean. That's me. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, and also please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. As for the boring legal stuff, Dentist Exit Planning and Terrell Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. The information presented should not be interpreted or construed as investment, legal, tax, financial planning, or wealth management advice. It does not substitute for personalized investment or financial planning from Dentist Exit Planning or Terrell Advisors LLC. This podcast conveys the views and opinions of Sean Terrell, and the information herein should not be considered a solicitation to engage in a particular investment or financial planning strategy. Information presented is for educational purposes only, and past performance is not indicative of future results.